Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. All right. Uh, so I'm going to dive into this message this morning and try to move through it quickly. First off, I appreciate Jordan covering for me last week. It was the first time that Jordan had been back in the saddle of the pulpit in a long time. And uh, so I know he tried to get everything in in one service. <laughs> it's just rapid fire. I'm like, oh my gosh, bam, bam. I'm like, dude, I'm already down. Stop punching. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I felt listening to the message. So anyway, yeah, I'll, be, I'll try to be nicer today. I'll try to be nicer today. So, uh, you know, as you mature in your walk with the Lord, God begins to shift your vision. He begins to shift to help you see the way he sees, sees things on a much bigger scale. As we grow in our walk with the Lord, there's this pattern of a baby to a young adult to a, a mother or a father. That's the kingdom pattern. And then as you become a mother and father, he just takes you back to being like a child because God never wants you to lose your childlikeness. That's why many of you have to be converted and go back to your childlike faith. I pray all the time, Lord, renew my youth like the eagle. I don't want to ever become apathetic and stiff and a mature adult of God. I want to be a child of God. And I want to keep my wonder and my fascination. And I don't want any of you that are new here, that are just coming into discovering the things of the Lord, to lose your wonder, to lose your fascination, to lose your childlikeness. And if there's one thing I always want to be, it's just a big kid for Jesus. I want to be his big kid. And I'm thankful that at 51, I have a seven and eight-year-old and more coming. We're not pregnant. We're not pregnant. Let me just, um, well, we're pregnant, but my wife is not pregnant. How about if I say that? And, um, wow. Listen, if I'm all over the place today, I have been walking in circles, just not even knowing what to do with myself. Just so that you know. It's like, uh, it's real ecstasy. You know, when the, the, uh, I might not even get to this. I don't even know where I'm going to go. But when, um, when the lame man was healed at the gate called Beautiful at the Temple Gate, it says the people were filled with, with they marveled in amazement. And if you study that out, it means it's the, it's the Greek word. Marvel was the Greek word for ecstasy. And it's that feeling that is authentic without a pill. It's the feeling that really comes when you see God do what God said he would do. God's already done what he said he would do. In fact, in many ways, God's already declared the decree. The decree's been declared. The nations belong to him. And some of you are so frustrated and so concerned by the affairs of this world that it's killing your ability to warfare properly in the kingdom of God for the, to save the world. And so now what happens is, is we get hatred in our heart towards the world 
and then everything becomes dark and everything's doom and gloom, we might as well just push the button tomorrow and nuclear napalm everything. And that's not how a Christian's supposed to act. Can you imagine me teaching my children that? My children are fascinated with the wonder and the beauty of God and the world that God created. And I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't want them to be shielded, in a sense, from what's happening in the world, but I, what I want them to do is to believe that they can actually transform the world instead of being transformed by the world. Yeah, you put a smile on your face. God's not caught off guard. He didn't fall off the throne. He didn't say, oh man, I never saw that coming. So what if I told you that serving people in this church can save this nation? I realize that some of you may not care about saving our nation, but Jesus does. This is a shift process that happens as you grow in maturity with the Lord. What if I told you that when you greet people at the door or clean toilets in the back, but when we build out, they'll be in the front, which we need to praise God for that. <laughs> if I told you that when you run a camera or serve in our, take care of a child in our children's ministry or use your gifts and service here, that your life would play a key part in Jesus receiving his inheritance and the reward of his suffering. Jesus paid a price and he gets a reward for it. He has an inheritance for what he did on the cross. He did it for a purpose. That purpose was to save his bride. That's you. His purpose in laying his life down was that when I laid it down, a harvest would come. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there's no harvest. So there must be a death, a resurrection, but then there's a harvest that comes in. There's a, a reward for his suffering the living creatures and the 24 elders and the multitudes of people that look like a sea of glass in heaven, they're praising Jesus as the lamb who was slain and is now worthy to receive all that he died for. So yes, each of us individually are that, but we're so much, it's so much more. Specifically, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Nations is, I taught a whole message that titled that the nations belong to him or this, the, uh, saving the nations. When a church functions properly, this is my church, just like that's my H-E-B. This is my city. So you can say this is my church. I'm not saying that arrogant. I'm saying like this is our church. When it functions properly, every nation, tribe, and tongue will come into this house. So they'll come in, they enter in, they become a house, and then they build a house. So that's you. So you come into a house, you're becoming a house, you become a family, people that didn't know each other, people getting married, relationships, caring for one another, serving one another, what, what I just experienced wouldn't have happened without countless people's prayer, encouragement, tears, fighting. We could never do anything that we've done if it wasn't for family and community and you all being in our lives. So we come in, we become, and then we build someone else. 
And the purpose is much greater than what most people see. Most people are consumed by the immediacy of their struggles. And I understand that. I've been there. I've been there. I've lost family, a child, my mom. I faced multiple pneumonias. I've been through multiple hurricanes. I've been buried alive in a house. I've been in prison. I've been divorced. I'm like a poster child for suffering. And I'm more on fire today than I've ever been. I've overcome drug addiction. But, but as you grow in the Lord, God lifts your vision higher. And your prayer should be, lift my vision higher. Lift my vision beyond the immediacy what's right in front of my face and help me to see on a bigger scale what you see. The whole universe, the cosmos, the earth, everything is sustained by the breath of his word. Not one thing goes unnoticed, not even a sparrow falling to the ground. That's pretty incredible leadership right there. So God wants to lift you, your vision higher to start to see the way that he sees and care for the things the way that he cares for. And I know for some of you, this concept of serving in this church can save our nation or the nations of the world seems like a stretch, but you all know I'm all about stretching. And so since both Jesus and I love to stretch things, let's stretch this out. We're gonna stretch this out. We're gonna start with Psalm chapter two, Verse seven and eight, I, I would highly encourage all of you to just know it front and back, this psalm. This is the psalm of the season, the psalm of the times. I'm gonna read the whole thing. I'm just gonna read this one part. This is the father speaking, and he says, I will declare the decree. A decree is a judgment. A decree is a verdict. And he's made the de- declaration. So he's declared the decree. And so this is Jesus talking. He says, the Lord said to me, So the father says to the son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. So the decree has been declared and the verdict and judgment have been rendered by God the father that number one, we are his begotten. What does the word begotten mean? What does it mean to beget? To beget means to be brought into existence by reproduction. So that's the multiplication component. First, I'm a son, so I'm fruitful in who I am and in my relationship with him, and then I multiply. I have been begotten to beget others. Let's say that. Say, I have been begotten begotten. to beget others. So multiplication is a job description for everybody. It's part of the Great Commission. It's part of the Garden Commission. If you're consumed with yourself or us for and no more, there's a problem. It could be very easy for me to live my nice suburbia life at the backside of Flower Bluff with my nice black vinyl fence and my dogs, my doodles and my goats and sheep and pig and coffee shops and live under myself and we would be miserable not fulfilling the call of God on our lives. In fact, I only have the things that I have because I've been faithful with what he's given me. And because the Lord delights in you, he brings you into a broad place. And so... The scripture makes it clear that to de- the father says, you're my son, I've begotten you. We're his begotten. He's given rise to us and he brings us into a place of success. He gives rise to you and he brings you to a place of success. 
specifically as sons and daughters. And because of what Jesus did and who he was, all that Jesus had to do was ask. That's all Jesus had to do was ask. And hence, all we have to do is ask. But then we also have to save or beget others and serve others. So it's not just as simply as sitting back. I, all I have to do is ask. But when I ask, God says, okay, you asked for it. Here it comes. And when it comes, there's a responsibility that comes with it. I wanted a family. I wanted a wife. I asked God for a wife. I got one. And I died on a whole nother level. <laughs> I asked God for kids. I got two and more coming. And I died on a whole nother level. I asked for a church. I really died on a whole nother level. Because, but everything requires something of you. When God gives you something, there's a requirement with it. The nations and the ends of the earth are the inheritance of Christ. So first I want you to see that the nations belong to him. I've taught this. I just want you to see from that scripture, the father says to the son, and this is the way it works. Because of what you did on the cross, you have a reward for your suffering. Now the inheritance is coming. And we are the inheritance of the Lord. So then God multiplies you. Yes, can be from your own children and your own womb, but also spiritual, it has to go beyond that to spiritual sons and daughters. Jesus himself would further tie this point of serving to save our nation. Now I'm gonna read to you what Jesus said in Matthew 25, and I want you to notice specifically that he's speaking to nations, all right? Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes into his glory and all, his, all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, which I think is, God has such an incredible sense of humor because it really hit me as I was studying this out that I have sheep and goats. I can't tell you, I didn't purposely try to have sheep and goats. We have three Barbados black belly sheep, thanks to Raman. We have, and his friend, he doesn't have any, but he referred me to a friend that does. And we literally had to rescue one that was dying that would lived in our house in a diaper. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll show you the picture. And then as the sheep got big, but wasn't ready to go out, the diaper would fall off and then it would poop all over the floors and the walls and then climb on things and get poop everywhere. It was a mess and it frustrated <laughs> It frustrated me to no end. And then I have, we have these Nigerian dwarf goats, a bunch of them, babies, pregnant mama. It's like, what is happening to my life? And then I have a pig that I couldn't get away from, showed up on Christmas Day. His name's Mr. Kringle. Rolls over on his back when you pet him so you can pet his belly and he sits and plays with the soccer ball and the kids beg me. I'm like, now I actually love the pig. That's the problem. Now we'll never be able to eat the pig. So, so I can tell you a big difference between sheep and goats because I live this reality, right? You just have to understand the sheep are not very smart. They just, bah, bah, all the time, just all the time, bah, all they want is food all the time, ruled by their bellies. They, and they just go anywhere at any time. But the goats, 
Though the goats want food all the time, they will plow through fences, climb anything, headbutt you out of the way. They are like obstinate and stubborn. They're cute as all get out though. They're little blue eyes and we love our goats. But I'm just saying, I notice a clear difference between the goats. The sheep follow my voice and they genuinely will listen and be submitted, whereas the goats will like, will like plow you over and get through anything to get what they want. Mm. Wow. Maybe you can connect the two of why the Lord's separating the nations. You got goat nations and you got sheep nations. Now, I'm not talking about sheep that just follow whatever the government says. I'm a sheep to Christ. I'm a lion when it comes to the nation. We're, we are God's sheep. I'm not some submissive, passive thing to a government entity that's going to just control my life and tell me what I have to do, just so you all know. Another topic for another day. (laughs) So he separates them, verse 34, and the king's going to say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So you need to see that from the foundation of the world, God has prepared a kingdom. It's already prepared. Now. If you can see this reality that God's already prepared an incredible inheritance for us. God has a, has a kingdom and a reward. We are part of it, but there's also a reward that comes prepared for us. And he says, verse 35, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and clothed. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, I want you to notice, then the sheep nation, the righteous, will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you? I want you to notice they're talking to him. He's saying, you didn't feed me, take care of me, do these things for me. And then the people say, huh? When did that happen? When did we see you doing those things? And that's why I titled this message that when you serve Jesus, you'll save nations. Because the whole premise was, is you get to go to the right hand of Jesus, in a sense, as a sheep nation, because we took care of him. And so they ask all these questions. And then verse uh, 39, you're in prison. When do we see you or in prison come to you? And verse 40, and the king will answer and say to them, as surely as I say to you, and as much as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So there's an answer there. We're going to come back to that. Verse 41, then he will also say to those on his left hand, this is the goat nation, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. You didn't take me in when I was a stranger. You didn't clothe me when I was naked. When I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. And then they will also answer him saying, Lord, huh? When did we see you hungry and thirsty, a stranger and naked, sick in prison? Verse 45, he'll answer them and say, surely I say to you, as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So we see a separation in these end times of goats. Now, the problem is it doesn't look like there's a lot of sheep nations out there. But if I have my way and you have your way, we're going to make sure that this becomes a sheep nation. And again, let me make sure you understand, his sheep, his people. 
And the only way that the nations are saved are by the people that are directly seeing, serving, and caring for Jesus himself and his brethren. They're gonna, the, sheep, the nations are gonna be separated and only the sheep nation will be saved, not just because those who were trusting and following the shepherd, but because of what they did and specifically what they did to him and for him. Following and serving Jesus go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Now, some of you are growing. Some of you are young spiritually. Some of you are in unique life stages. I get that. This isn't a beat you up message. I get it. Some of you have to go off to do refinery work sometimes, turnarounds. Some of you have to, uh, God leads you to put in extra time and hours. But on the flip side, some of you are complete workaholics and all you care about is yourself, your money, and even with noble intentions. The priorities in life are first sitting at the feet of Jesus, making time for yourself so that you are full, that your tank is full, then number three, it's taking care of your bride if you're married. And if you're not, then it goes, it switches to his bride. Number four, it's taking care of your children if you have children. If you don't, then you're fully focused on taking care of God's children. And then number five, it's taking care of his bride. And then number six, it's work. God never designed it to be flip-flopped. Now they go hand in hand. When you work, you get the resources to do the other things. But some of us are serving a false master, and we got it backwards. Your work is your tent-making ability to do the greater things that God's called you to do. And I promise you, if you keep those priorities in the way that I just told you, God will give you more to do what you're called to do. That's how that works. Everything's a sacrifice. First, sitting at the feet of Jesus. You can throw the rest out if you don't sit. That's the greatest, greatest thing, is sitting at his feet. The key here is that when you're following Jesus, you're serving him. Sometimes Jesus is the stranger. Sometimes he's hungry and thirsty. Sometimes he needs to be clothed. Sometimes he's sick and in prison. So the question both sets of nations would ask was, when did we see you in the state? It's hard to imagine. Well, Jesus is sick. And he's, it's metaphorical in the context of verse 40. Verse 40, I want to go back to it. The king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. There's two key people to note here the least and the brethren. The least and the brethren. Not everyone is Jesus' brother. I know that's hard for some of you. And I get it. It's like, man, what's up, my brother? Oh, that's. But when it comes to the family dynamic of being in the family, not everybody is the brother of Jesus. We're not a universalist church. Not everybody is saved and they just don't know it. I just want you all to know that. I can give you countless scriptures and doctrinally that show you that people need to make the decision to say yes and to accept him and receive. To all those, John 1, 12, to all those that believe and receive, they become. That's the pattern. I believe I receive, I become, and it's a free gift. But in the becoming, it always has to go hand in hand. If you're serving and not following, there's a problem. You're gonna find your value in what you do and not who you are. Following and serving go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other because it's in your nature. I, you can't talk me into serving or not serving. It's inside my DNA. 
If I, we can't try to beat you up, and this church doesn't talk a lot about serving, but I want to help you understand how important it is because this church has a mission from God and is ordained by God, mark my words, to transform our city and our nation. We named it Rock City Church from the beginning. It's not called Kumbaya Church. It's not called Don't Pass Me By Church. This church is an apostolic prophetic church on a mission to train. I'm, I'm telling you right now, and I'm, I'm stepping up to the plate myself. I got way, so many things on my plate, and many times my wife's like, man, it's too many things. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you <clears throat> because I know that the Lord's called me to do it. Ethics Commission, Citizens Council, Tribe of Judah. It's a lot, kids, rescuing kids. We're gonna start homes in this city, we're going to start an or, a home for uh, uh, foster children. Yep. We want to buy land. We were expanding so that we have more women in transition coming out of prison, out of drugs with children. Mental health system's broken in this city. So you can't sit back and complain about it. Let's do something about it. And I'll pioneer it right together with you. And sometimes me pioneering means I can't meet with you in private. Because I'm on a, I'm, God has shifted me to something bigger and different. But you can meet with each other and I can direct and guide and put people in place to help you. And you can get in a position to do what you're supposed to be doing. Not everybody's Jesus' brother. Let me show you this real quick. Matthew 12, 46 through 48. While he was still talking, so Jesus is inside the a house ministering. And I will tell you, it doesn't say it here, but Jesus' mother's like, Jesus has lost his mind. He's out of his mind. Now, if Jesus' own mother thinks that Jesus is out of his mind, how much more could you suffer persecution from your own family? And that's what happens sometimes. And so while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brother and sister stood outside, seeing him speak with him. And then someone said to Jesus, look, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? That's a good question. Who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother, brother, and my brother, sister, and mother. And I love what Luke says in Luke chapter eight. He says, he says it differently. Luke heard it this way. It's funny. He says, whoever hears the word of God and does it. So you get two, because some of us can like, well, I think I'm in the will of God. You can be out of the will of God, but you can't hear the word of God and do it and be out of the will of God. The challenge comes from discernment regarding who is and who isn't my brethren. This is why we must be spirit-led in our service and make sure we're following Jesus at all times. You have to be careful in how you pass judgment on others because sometimes Jesus is the stranger standing under a bridge. Because that's the other part is the least. So he, he, he already kills this discrimination dynamic of saying, well, I'm only gonna serve Christians. The problem is, is Jesus can be the stranger. Right. Jesus can be the hungry, the naked, and the prison, and the sick. So the question is, how do you discern? Now, this is a really big topic, but I'm gonna address it real quick. There are people that find their value handing out sandwiches downtown and serving the poor and the homeless, and they think that's entire call, but they have real issues with authority and the church, and they're not serving inside the church, or their church is pretty jacked up with crazy doctrines. I see them all the time. Those guys don't like me very much. 
Now, I'm not telling you you shouldn't go downtown and serve sandwiches and take care of the homeless. What I am telling you is if Jesus isn't doing it and it's not him, don't do it. Otherwise, I could not do this. I believe God's answer to the world crisis is the local church that's healthy, a family, because people are saved by the contrast. People need to see normal. If you just stayed in this church and stuck around and served and, and played a part, your life will be changed and so will the other people's lives change because it's normal. My kids see what's normal. Praying in tongues, normal. Dreams and dream interpretation, normal. Long worship, people manifesting, normal. I'm, I'm gonna take my kids everywhere I go if I, tra- if I travel in the future. And I don't like to travel, but when I went to the Four Winds Festival or when I went to West Virginia, my kids are my little mini prayer partner team. And I'm not forcing them to do anything. They've chosen because they're fascinated. They actually like it when they see people healed and get set free from demonic influence. They think it's pretty cool. And I want them to see that God's way more powerful than Harry Potter, the Avengers, Marvel, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. I want them to see the real force. Yes. And I like some of those movies. Not all of those I mentioned, but some. More often than not, the least is who we bypass and overlook. If you're not a part of a local church, you're out of the will of God. I know that's a hard statement. There's so many deep understandings of a body of Christ giving joints supplying to one another. And the supplying component of joints is you have a gift in you, you have a gift in you, you have resources and abilities to take care of God's people, which in turn is directly taking care of Jesus. Then we're training and equipping the brethren to go get more brethren and to beget. Service and begetting go hand in hand. There's no multiplication if you're not serving. But, But multiplication comes of a natural overflow of being fruitful. The premise of being fruitful is not me, myself, and I. It's, hey, here's some fresh fruit. Want some? Oh, you need some fresh fruit? Here it is. Get fruitful. You're already dead to the life of sin when you come to Christ. Sin's already been defeated. It's not who you are. Stop living in condemnation. Get delighted in the pleasure of God and you'll way overcome that stuff. Stop being ruled by your flesh. Like Jordan said today, sow to the spirit, reap from the spirit. If you're not sitting at Jesus's feet, you're wasting your time even here today. So my challenge is to get you to the feet of Jesus every day. Hear God's voice every day. Romans 8, 14, true sons of God. I'm not an orphan. I'm a son because I'm led by the spirit at all times. So I know who I am. I'm fruitful. I'm confident. I hear his voice and I see him everywhere around me at all times. So I'm never acting like an orphan. Well, sometimes I have residue that still rears its head. And when it does, I say, God, cut that branch. Some of you got dead branches. They're orphan branches that God wants to snip out of your life. You're never satisfied. You're always fighting for your back. You're always worried about money. You're always worried about your next relationship. It's a lack of lordship. And if there's one thing you can learn about me is learn lordship. If you see anything from my life, watch it closely when I tell you the stories of what I've overcome and what I see. And then don't just watch me. Get around people that have trailblazed and pioneered and grown and have wisdom. Get some spiritual senators in your life, some elders in your life that have gone before you that can say, hey, let me tell you about this time that God did this. If you're not serving in a local church by the leading of Jesus and healthy spiritual parents, you're out of the will of God. Because oh man, it's only Jesus gonna tell me. You know my story about the tambourine player that said, I'm gonna play my tambourine in church because Jesus told me. I said, well, I'm telling you, stop playing the tambourine. 
Now, all you tambourine players, don't manifest, Marlene. I'm not anti-tambourine. The problem is you can't, what's coming from the stage is different than what, pe- what, what they hear and what you hear are different. And some people's like, man, tambourine, every song, I don't care if it's Amazing Grace, tambourine. It's like, well, I know Jesus may have told you, but I'm telling you, stop playing the tambourine. I just use that as a simple example of this understanding that God puts government, as long as the government is healthy and whole and hearing the voice of God and not trying to control you, manipulate you, and uh, it's not centralized governmental leadership about the man. It's not about me. It's decentralized. It's bottom-up leadership. And so you can trust the people that God puts in your life and God designs it that way. What we have is too many Lone Ranger Christians and no one's speaking to their life because nobody submitted to any authority and leadership in the kingdom, and that's a problem. And as soon as Jordan gets up, starts talking about wicked, lazy servants and judgment and all this stuff, and it's like, man, this is too hard. Plow me in the face. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes I need to be plowed in the face because I know his heart. Right? (laughs) Quickly back to Matthew. And addressing the nations. The nations that serve him get saved. Those that don't get everlasting punishment and fire. It's like, oh man, there's no hell. Well, there is a hell and it's everlasting, which means has no end. Here it is in the Bible, by the way. And it's the, there's an everlasting punishment and fire. Guess who it's reserved for? Not you. There is no reservation in hell with your name on it. That's right. There's no reservation. So don't check in. Guess who the reservation's for? Everybody say, not me. But sadly, the nations that don't take care of Jesus go there. But it wasn't reserved for them. It was reserved for the devil and his angels. So never forget that. Investing your time, talents, and money is an investment into Jesus himself. People and resources are key to saving cities and nations. That's why we're building out a new sanctuary. This church is a a solid 500 to 600 people right now. God wants to take us to 2,000 and beyond. It's not because I want more fame. If you haven't noticed, I don't need more fame, recognition, notoriety. It's not about any of that stuff for me. I'm so way past that. It's not about bigger church. I don't need more money. I could go easily invest my time and talents into my coffee business. I have a very successful coffee business. 10 more shops, I'm at $500,000 a year, easy. 600,000, then I'll just sell it for a few million and move to Mexico. (laughs) Or Alaska with my buddy Jay. Are you understanding? This is way bigger than what we understand. So fulfilling your mission from God goes beyond intimacy, worship, and sacrifice for yourself. We must be obedient to what he instructs us to do. True religion is what he wants. He wants true religion. Fighting oppression, injustice, defending the fatherless and the widow. This is a call for all of us in stretching out our arm to take hold of the least of these. James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Visit orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. 
So they all go hand in hand. I can only keep myself unspotted if I've got my eyes on Jesus instead of the world. I know what's going on in the world, but I'm unspotted from the world. Some of you are Christians. You got one eye on Jesus and one eye on the world, and you're spotted. But Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. Isaiah, one, Isaiah chapter 1. Now, I'm going to summarize this up for the sake of time. In verse 11, he's like, listen, I'm, you're a straight, plum, wearing me out. You're wearing me out. This is how I read it. I'm straight wore out. All these sacrifices, all these services, church service, church service, church service, worship, crying, intimacy, revelation, 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 fat, 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 taking, 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 taking. He's like, man, they're futile. I'm just so, so plum wore out. Look, verse 14, I'm weary of bearing them. So you're spreading out your hands and I'm not even seeing. You're making all these prayers. He's like, look, your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean and get put away evil from your doing before my eyes. And here's the key that I really want to show you is verse 17. God doesn't want you to be good. He wants you to do good. Let's say it. We say it here all the time. Let's say it again. God doesn't want me to be good. Come on, you can do it. Let's say it. Some of you just pucker up so tight when I say that. I've had people just say, I can't say that. This is no... I'm like, just trust me. Let's say it again. God doesn't want me to be good. He wants me to be spiritual. There's two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good is even, in my mind, worse than evil because you think you're good and you're not. And good's killing you. So many of us have to overcome dysfunctional religion of our past that we thought was making us good and it wasn't. God doesn't want you to be good. He wants you to eat from the tree of life. Jesus is the bread that came down from heaven. He's the vine. You're the branches. Apart from him, you can do nothing. So we must eat from the tree of life every day. That's sitting at the feet of Jesus. But notice this, verse 17, learn. And Ephesians 4 talks about learning and being taught directly from Jesus. The great, I will win as a pastor when you are taught and learning directly from Jesus every day. And if I ever judge you, I'm going to judge you comparing spiritual to spiritual. I look at actions and in about a whole few minutes, I can determine whether you're living as an orphan or you're living as a son led by the Holy Spirit. And I only do it from the tree of life to the tree of life. It's It's spiritual to spiritual, not to kill you, destroy you, beat you up, beat you down, but to bring you up and out of it. And that's what real family looks like. And so seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow, and then you can read 18 through 20. It's all deal with yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get, your, get your, that stuff that's already dead out of you. It's not who you are. Jesus took that on the cross. Though your sins are white as snow, hey, come to me. Let's talk. He says, let's reason together. It means, hey, let's have a conversation. So every day I'm having a conversation. Because every day, God's showing me all this stuff that needs to be dealt with and cut out. And so I'm going to close. I'll just, you guys know the story. I'm not going to read it to you in this verse. I want to pray for you. But in John chapter 21, when Peter gets restored, 
the restoration of Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, was three affirmations. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And if you do, tend my lambs and feed my sheep. So none of us gets to bypass it, but the problem is there's not a formula for it. If I said every single one of you needs to get up and go sign up to serve, that's not an accurate statement. Because some of you are in the process of getting some real healing and God's telling you, and I can affirm it, take a moment to sit and receive at his feet because you've been nothing but a Martha your whole life. It's the problem, it's not a formula. There's people that come in here with rap sheets of an incredible ministry history and I'm talking rock stars are in this church right now. And some of those people, I have to be a stronger leader to say, God's telling you, you need to sit and receive for a season. People come to me and say, man, look at all this great stuff I've done. And man, I'm here for you. Just tell me what you need. And I'm like, well, why don't you just sit and learn the culture and get God's heartbeat for the next season? And then there's some people that I can put in and in a week, and, and there God says, yes, he's ready now. He's been quarried. He's been smoothed out in another quarry, and God brought him here, plug him in, and somebody else, God says, have him sit. Well, how long, Lord? Well, I don't know. It's not like in 90 days you get to serve. It's, it's not a time. It's not formulistic. It's a relational dynamic, and that's really different than how most churches do it, so it throws people on tilt. I'm going to use CT for an example, who, who plays keys for us. I love this guy. I've known him for a long, long time. And he came in here raring to go to serve. And he's a musician, and he loves the Lord. And we're like, sit, 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 while God worked. Are you in here, by the way? Okay. Well, I'll still call him out no matter what, because I love him. I can do that. If you're my friend, be prepared. I'll call you out one time or another in here. And then finally, after, I don't know, a couple years, there he is. And then he came back full circle. He said, I can't say thank you, no. Mark, how long did you sit down for? Two, three years. The guy leading worship, three years. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to make you sit down for three years. Just depends how jacked up you are. <laughs> we got to check your jacked up meter, right? And that's hard for people. But let me tell you something. I'd rather be a long, steady, mighty oak tree or a redwood tree that grew over hundreds of years and has deep, deep roots than spring up only to be blown over by the next storm. Wouldn't you? So this church is, I'm telling you, get the vision of the Lord. Do not make this about me. I'm doing what God's called me to do uniquely in the way he's called me to do it. And part of that is building a, a church family that will transform a city and save a nation. The best thing, my cross to bear, is to influence and save the United States of America. And guess how I do it? Like this? Guess how you'll get to do it? Some of you will be here. Some of you will clean the toilet in the back and no one will see. But when you clean that toilet, you, you created excellence for the people that walk in this house to become something that they're called to become. Everybody plays a part. We're all under rowers, under the captain. We're all oarsmen. And if you guys step out and I, we, the 20% has to keep rowing, we have to row harder and we get more tired. So there's tons of places. Let me just conclude with this.
Here's the positions that this church needs on a monthly basis to function the way it's supposed to function. Our cleaning crew, we don't pay people to clean. We ask people to give of their time and sacrifice to clean God's house. Probably the best position, in my opinion, that you can give in this house. Well, children probably, but cleaning too. They, you need to do both at the same time. So cleaning crew six times a week is 24 times a month because we have all kinds of things going on. Children's 36 uh, times a week. I'm, yeah, 36 times a week, 144 a month. Ushers, 12 times a week, 48 a month. Greeters and hosts, nine times a week, 36 a month. Church merchandise, which by the way, let me say something about that. This isn't about us making money. It's about us right. being excited and representing our family. Right. Okay, and I like to represent my family, and then putting resources there that can benefit you and help you. Media and sound, 18 times a week, 72 times a month. Worship, 16 times a week, 64 a month. Prayer partners, 75 a week, 300 a month. In total, we have 700 positions that need to be filled every month to cover just the basic needs of our monthly services in a four-week month. This doesn't include five-week months. It doesn't include conferences, schools, curriculums, or I'm sorry, uh, extracurriculars, outreaches, and funerals, or other things, weddings. This also does not include positions that support any of the life stage or gender-based ministries like men's and women's ministry. It's just services. And I'm not stopping. I'm, and I'm not doing it for the wrong reasons. My heart is in the right place. And we're gonna see the miraculous happen. We're gonna see the miraculous... Because when God builds a house, the cloud of his presence will dwell there. The cloud needs a model. So you've got to understand you're building a model just like you would build your own home and your own family. And God makes it clear, if you can't take care of your own house, how can you take care of God's house? So we work in tandem. Let's get your house taken care of so we can take care of his house. Do you guys see it? All right, so I can't tell you specifically. What I can tell you is, I just laid out 700 positions in a month and we probably only actually fill with the same people half that. So get fired up. You wanna make a difference in this? If you have a passion for our nation, which you should, because Jesus does, and if you're upset and apathetic and complaining on Facebook, stop, stop all that. There's a better way. So let's say that there's a better way. All you gotta do is ask. You're a son, and when you ask, God says, here it comes, and then there's a responsibility that comes with it. Okay? Let's all stand. Father, I just, Lord, I just breathe life into everyone here. If you're hurting, struggling, your marriage is struggling, struggling with kids, the cares of this life and the affairs of this world. If you've been so angry, and I get it, there's a lot of things to be angry at, but you want to be angry and sin not. And the anger should produce something in you to do something about it. We got to fight to end abortion. We got to fight to rescue the fatherless. Right? We got to fight to stop this orphan problem that we have in our nation. And if you were an orphan with jacked up parents, become sons and daughters and do something about it. Yes. Best thing you can do. Understand what the blood did for you. You're no longer condemned. So stop living condemned lives. 
put away the old man and put on the new man so that you can become everything he's called you to become. So Father, I pray the breath of God right into every one of you today. Lord, I ask that it would just be so contagious that no matter where we're at, no matter what's going on around the, in the world around us, it's not happening on the inside. Lord, may the external never affect the internal. It's my prayer, God. And Lord, everyone here that's got question marks or struggling, I ask that you put a period. Give them a word that they can stand on. Give them a hunger for your word. Help us to see the way you see and to not be led by our sight, but to be led by our vision in you. We walk by faith and not by what we see. Stop being so moved by what you see. It's a supernatural God. It's raising up an army of seers in this, in this day and time. Start to see in the spirit. Close your eyes. God, I ask for a, a, a movie reel right now in the spirit for every, everyone young and old. Fascinate them, God. Rock them. Rock them in the night. Rock them in their dreams. Rock them in the day. Rock them wherever they're at. Show yourself strong and mighty. I declare Ephesians 6.10 as a banner of the Lord over you today. You remember this scripture. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, finally. Woo! Man, I just feel the Holy Spirit descending on this place right now. Just feel the anointing of God. Just let him touch you. Some of you haven't had a touch from God in a long time. Finally, my brethren, be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord and the power of his dominion and headship in your life. You have authority by the Spirit. Woo! Man, I just feel the Lord. The Lord says, I've declared the decree. This nation belongs to me. There is a remnant. There is a remnant. I am a remnant. Let's say that. I am a remnant. Uncompromising. Unshakable. Immovable. With the promises of God. So I bless you today. Man, I just pray that there be a hurricane in the spirit of wind that propels your life. The wind-driven life is the best life you'll ever live. Be wind-driven. Be wind-driven. I bless you mightily today as you go with joy and life and wonder and excitement and trust no matter how hard it is. It's my prayer for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap before you go. He's been so good today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com give.